0: question for you to get started. Can you think of the name of the company that produces the content that you consume the most on the internet? For me, the answer is starting strength. Second question, can you think of another company or a brand that produces the highest quality content of all the content you consume? For me, that's starting strength. So I show my support, by subscribing to the network. It's $8 a month. You can sign up at network.startingstrength.com. If you can afford it, if it's no big deal, if eight bucks a month is a lot of money, don't sweat it and just keep listening for free. Uh, speaking of the rich and the poor, if you're the former, you might be able to afford our gyms. But the good news is the first session's free. It's a free 30-minute coaching session. And if you mention this ad spot, At any participating gym, you will get a free 30-minute coaching session. So those are our ads. We are sponsored by ourselves. On with the show. Mildly entertaining,
1: somewhat obscure guests, relatively interesting topics, semi-professional production quality, reasonably well-informed commentary, a great value for the money, hundreds of fans all around the world. It's the Starting Strength Gyms Podcast with your host,
0: Ray Gillenwater. On today's podcast, we have Andy Rutledge. Andy is uh, a new friend. He's just joined the company to help us with some creative work. So Andy is a copywriter. Um, I was interested in Andy's work as a copywriter because... He's kind of our main target demo here, and he was a starting strength guy before he joined us, which is why him working with us appealed to me. He's a designer, he works on websites, apps, um, does a bunch of stuff in the creative field, and uh, he's an interesting character. And he, he's, he's quite judgmental of my eating habits, I should I should tell you guys, because uh, he was talking some shit when I was bringing my own food through the airport, because um, I've been copying Stan Effordine and. You know what, Andy? I, I enjoy it, man. It's cheaper and it's it's better. But, but before you respond to that, I, just, I bring it up because I wanted to let you know that I'm actually drinking um, about 30 ounces of skim milk, not full fat, skim milk, fair life, with, um, I hope Ripito doesn't watch this, two shots of decaf espresso. Are, are you even doing the program? <laughs> well, no, actually, I'm not. Uh, okay. Yeah. I've done the program now. I'm doing some uh, some variation for people that have too many orthopedic injuries. Um, so loosely is the answer. Um, Andy, let's uh, let's start with your story. So the thing that's most interesting about you to me, other than your skills at work, uh, are the fact that uh, or is the fact that uh, you've added what fifty five pounds of body weight in your 50s so let's just let's just get that out of the way right away because i've i've been uh, in the trenches battling the trolls on youtube these fucking 22 year old boys that don't understand anything about Mm -hmm. anything that have the most firm opinions of any group of people in the world and lift weights but don't Mm -hmm. actually understand Mm -hmm. how body weight works and how body composition works so andy tell us about your your weight gain situation your uh your numbers your overall story if you don't mind
1: Okay. Thanks for having me on by, by the way, this, mm-hmm. uh, I hope this is, uh, fun. I think it's going to be fun. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, as you can see, I'm uh, an elderly chap. So, uh, uh, at 54, I didn't like where my body was going and I've been a, you know, an athlete, most of my life, you know, soccer and karate and cycling and, and running and whatever. Uh, but, uh, I didn't like what I was seeing in the mirror and I was starting to, you know, to you know, to head into the, the latter part of life. And so uh, I thought, you know, lifting is what I should do. And so started that. Uh, and started it, you know, crummy. You know, I had the the one inch bar, the concrete filled plastic, you know, plates, that kind of stuff. And very quickly realized, you know, first of all, you can't put enough weight on the bar to do a lot of stuff. Very quickly you run out of weight so that was uh 2020 before um you know covid really shut down uh you know availability on gym equipment and stuff like that so i got ahead of that i think but um i got olympic bar got started getting some plates and uh started lifting for real and i started a program that is similar to starting strength uh but uh you know doesn't have the whole sort of oomph behind it you know all the 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 science and the experience and the the sort of the comprehensive approach behind it and the but there was this pink amazing. man uh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. well and th- i'm talking about um like like a novice progression
0: sure
1: yeah. it did have five pounds per per workout mm-hmm. and so i started doing that um but there was like i said there was this pink man on youtube mm-hmm that uh, was making a lot of sense. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, and the folks that were around him seemed to be making a lot of sense. I think this is before you kind of had a, a, a really good sort of, uh, video, uh, media approach. And so I started consuming all that. And one of the things that continually came up was eating. And I realized, you know, I'm not doing that. At least the way they're talking about what they're talking about sounds outlandish, <laughs> but, uh, it made sense to me so i just started doing it uh you know greatly increased i never thought about what portion of my meals were protein and carbs and whatever so i just essentially just upped the protein and started uh was a bit and started gaining weight and of course at the beginning i'm thinking okay i'm gaining weight am i just starting to get fat <laughs> am i putting on muscle what's Cause at first you don't really notice a lot of stuff, but then a buddy of mine at lunch once looked at me and he said, your traps are huge. What happened? Hmm. Cause I was literally this bean pole that was starting to get a bit of a little pot belly. Hmm. And so things started changing. And so I kept, yeah, I mean, that was inspiring. So I just kept eating and kept lifting and, and a couple of years later, um, now I have to turn sideways to get through a doorway, you know, <laughs>
0: shoulders are just too wide. So. <laughs> Bean pole. Yeah. And that's the, uh, <clears throat> for all you old dogs listening, Their church trajectory, if you're not lifting, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably lifting, but ultimately, uh, if you're a thin guy and you're aging and you don't put your body through the process of getting stronger, then it will get weaker. Because there's no, there's no static state in nature. You're either improving or declining. And so muscular atrophy will find you, and uh, it'll start chipping away at you. And you can continue to keep your calories in check to avoid the pot belly, but if you're not as disciplined as that about that as, uh, as you would like to be, and you end up prioritizing the joy from food over your svelte beanpole stature, then uh, the pot belly is going to come. And so you'll be weak, you'll be skinny, and you'll be skinny fat at that. And that is not a good trajectory. So I've got a couple follow ups so, for you, Andy, but first hit us with your height and body weight, starting starting body weight and current body weight. Okay. So I'm 5'10 and uh, started at around 170, 175 probably. Yeah, 175. And now I'm 230. Nice. And And for those listening, Andy just looks like a tub of lard. I mean, just, just, uh, he's hiding his multiple chins under his beard. Uh, he can hardly breathe. (laughs) Exactly. exactly, And seriously, I didn't do anything special. Um,
1: I didn't get on this sort of, uh, having to weigh everything and measure everything and keep track of things in a book or whatever. I just, I, I looked at how many grams of protein I need and how many calories i I need, and I kind of figured that out with some meal prep and some other stuff, but uh, I just ate mm. and lifted, and everything changed. I Seriously, th- there are times still that I walk by a mirror, and I'm like, it's startling. It's like, that's not the guy that I've ever known my,
0: in my whole life. Yep. The The reason I invited you on the podcast, the idea sprung from, I forget who it was, someone it might have been on the forum, just reminded me that they love seeing the stories from older guys, they love seeing the possibilities. And, um, and I I mean, I think it's amazing that that the program could take a, you know, mid late 20s guy like me, and um, add 80 pounds of useful body weight onto my frame, and totally Mm -hmm. change the trajectory of my life in every sense. Um, But you know, I'm young, and uh, that's not that surprising that that would work, but it's great. The fact that it works for a guy in his 50s. And you can go from 175 to 230 body weight and, um, not keel over from Mm -hmm. a heart attack like everyone might expect or be, uh, this, you know, this sloppy mess of a human. Um, this is not common knowledge. This is not common knowledge. It's not even necessarily common knowledge amongst the community. Um, and I got to tell you that when I'm when I'm coaching people in uh, in their 50s plus, I'm very cautious about the the pace of the weight gain, because if I were to take a guy from 170 mm. to 230, I'd want to make sure that that it's primarily lean body mass. Mm. And um, yeah, and for a guy that's older, the testosterone situation is is usually compromised. And that means um, you got to be slow right. and steady, slower than you would otherwise. Right. So. Right. Awesome, man. Well done. What what yeah. were your what were your PRs so far? What are your PRs?
1: Uh goodness. This is, <laughs> part of it sounds good to me, and part of it is, is really ridiculously awful. Um my best squat single is 440. Hell yeah. Uh Deadlift. At uh, what age,
0: real 405. quick? 405. Uh 50 seven. So 57 years old, 448, 57 from a skinny yeah. cyclist. And when I started to, to squatting four, Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I started, I think the, you know, when you, when you're uneducated about things and you're just, and you got the enthusiasm about starting something, you, you try stuff. Yeah. And so I tried, I think the max squat that I was able to do was
0: one sixty, for a single. Right, right, right. Do, do you guys understand what that means? what that does do a guy in his fifties who goes from 170 pounds squat to 440 pounds and goes from 170 pound body weight to 230 useful pounds. Explain, explain to us what that's done for you, Andy. Uh, Sorry. After you, after you finish the rest of your PRs, explain to us what that's done for you.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So what are you squatting and deadlift and, uh, bench you know I, I said i've been an athlete all my life all of it's been lower body stuff hmm. never once did anything with arms or chest or back or anything so uh my 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 best bench is 200 even Uh for a and uh yeah no yeah i think that was for a single um and again i was trying something because i was i think i was working at it at about uh 180 185 something like that uh doing doing reps but uh then um uh
0: press uh one forty. Be as detailed as you'd like. I wanna know I wanna know everything because for me, starting strength has changed my mm. yeah, I, I've I've said this before, but I, I wouldn't be with my wife, which means I wouldn't be here in Idaho, mm. I wouldn't have my daughter. Um, I wouldn't have my job. Uh I probably never would have competed in a fight, which has been a lifelong goal of mine. Um I mean, just, just everything about my presence, my capability, my day-to-day interaction with others and my environment, everything has radically changed for the better, Mm -hmm. which is why I'm doing things like this podcast to try to to tell other people about this. Um, What, what has been your experience?
1: Uh, Well, the, I think the first thing is that, you know, what does that do to a person to, to make that transformation? I. I don't know what I wouldn't have right now. Like, I think you have some pretty clear cut ideas of, of those things, but, uh, my, my outlook on sort of my place in the world, my, my out how I move through my day, how I interact with, with, with other people. Um, all of that has changed significantly, um, because of the confidence and the, I don't know, heck the, the vigor and the, as we old folks say the pep uh, of, uh, of knowing what you can do, you know, when when you've got, you know, 400 x pounds on your back. And that fourth rep was a kind of a grinder. And you don't rack it, you go down and you and you come back up out of the, you know, out of the bottom on the next rep, and you make it. Mm. And then you do that the next week as well. Mm. You teach, you, you teach, yourself things about you that, um, that just extend so far beyond anything that has to do with athletics or, or exercise or lifting or anything. Uh, so, and then like, I, like I mentioned before, you know, I'll, I'll pass a mirror today and it's startling to see that that's the guy, cause I lived 54 years, probably 55 years of my life knowing a completely different, you know, guy in the mirror. Yeah. And suddenly I, I looked like, you know, someone that maybe, you know, I I aspired to be when I was a young man and just, it never worked out because I never put in the work Right. and boom in a couple of years. Um, I've, I've got that in, I don't have any physical limitations. It's not like I was, you know, had a cane before or, or had trouble going upstairs or whatever, but like, uh, I haven't changed my activity level from my 20s. Hmm. Um, and I expected that once you hit, you know, your mid-50s, everything starts to decline a little bit. Hmm. It hasn't declined at all. It's gotten better. Nice.
0: So so better than 20s or better than it's been recently?
1: Oh, well, I mean,
0: better, no, better than 20s. Um,
1: just, I don't know, I'm... I'm I'm super active. <laughs> uh, I, I don't like to sit for long uh, periods of time. Uh, like talking to you here for a while is going to be a chore because I can't get up and and go do something. Um, <laughs> it's that 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 level of energy. Uh, so, but anything that I could do in my twenties, I can do now. And I don't know if if if, if I could, you know, do that um, if I hadn't started this.
0: Mm. Compare for me, the fifth rep on a heavy set with the, uh, the mental fortitude required to do long distance cycling. And I'm assuming by the Mm. way that you're doing, uh, that you're doing intense cycling Mm. and you're, you're pushing it. Um, so, so yeah, fill me in on that. What kind of what style you, uh, you pursued and how that compares. Right. Well, to start, I'm gonna, I'm gonna
1: say I'm, I'm no longer a road cyclist. Mm -hmm. Now I did that for a few years, uh, I don't think, maybe I could, I don't know if I could do that and do what I'm doing now, because I was putting in 10, 12 hours a week on the bike, Mm a couple hundred miles, and some of the, the the really, the workout, or some of the rides are are just easy, you know, but some of the the serious work and, and, and hill climbing and stuff like that, there is that, like a hill climb, for instance, you, you can't stop, you don't stop on a, on a ride, you, you keep moving the pedals. Um, and you can't stop on a climate, you know, you can stop at the top of you, but you can't stop, you know, up on a climb. It just, it, it shouldn't enter your mind. You know, it, it, it sucks. In fact, there's a lot about cycling that's suffering. It's there's a lot of suffering. Now, the pro cyclists mention that sometimes, but, uh, and, and they suffer worse than, than any of us amateurs, but, uh, it's suffering, but you get used to suffering. But I don't know when, so when you got, you know, the heavy barbell on your back, you have to, first of all, decide that you're not going to rack it.
0: Hmm.
1: Which, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't really know how this compares to, to, to cycling. Um, But I mean, both are tough, but you have to decide it's, it's a willful act not to rack it. And then it's a willful act to start that descent and to hit depth and then to not stop. You know, because if the, if, the, if the last rep was uh, was tough, you're going to hit a little sticking point. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, I think all of us, we have to sort of develop a way to get past that, like create a personal rule. I'm going to give it X seconds. I'm, if I keep moving, I'm going to keep pushing or whatever it is that is the thing that gets you through that. But what matters is that you start that. Now, you can either get through it or you can't because I've laid the bar down several times mm. on the pins. But uh, you can either get through that or, or or you can't. But, you know, most times I think, for me at least, I do. But uh, if I racked it, I wouldn't like myself much the rest of that
0: day. Mm. So it's uh, one bout of suffering and putting your pride on the line compared to... Continuous suffering, but lower intensity on on the road. Is that an accurate way to summarize it? Sure,
1: and it's all repeated because you know if if I'm on a long you know like an 80 mile ride or whatever, there's going to be you know hard parts and easier parts, and I'm going to choose to get to those hard parts that are still you know an hour and a half away. Hmm. But same thing with with lifting. You know if if this if your squat sets were you know were super tough, you've got deadlift waiting for you. Mm -hmm. And then you've got two days later, you've got, you know, the same thing. Mm -hmm. This is going to happen again. Mm -hmm. You have to decide, I'm not going to miss that workout. You just, you just do it because it's what it's like brushing, brushing your teeth.
0: Right. Yeah. I look at it the same way and I try to encourage my trainees and friends and family to do that as well. Um, Lifting weights is part of my job. I will go to the gym in the middle of a work day and uh, ignore phone calls and get my work done because it has to get done. It is non-optional. Not only is it part mm-hmm. of my job, <clears throat> but it is fundamental to my to my health and my enjoyment of life. And so I don't skip training. I don't skip training. I don't think I missed a single session even when the baby was born because I've been on the other side of it, and I don't want to get That's there. Tough. And you start making compromises, and you start yeah. making excuses, and you start pushing stuff off, and then all of a sudden you're missing workouts, and then you're hurting more, and you're getting weaker, and you're declining, mm-hmm. and... uh and then lifting isn't part of your schedule. So I'm I feel the same way about it. It it is just like anything else that must happen in my life. I must eat, I must sleep, I must lift. You know, it's a, it's non-negotiable. Something you mentioned during the intro of the podcast was that you uh, you thought that lifting was something that you should do. Can you can you expand on that? Yeah. What what led you to that conclusion?
1: Oh in my mind it was a thing that did what nothing else could nothing builds a strong body except lifting mm-hmm. and i didn't want to have good cardio if i was weak
0: mm-hmm.
1: and especially i mean the thing again the you know i, I talked to you about looking at myself in the mirror and seeing that bean pole with a pot you know a little pot that was starting to form <clears throat> it was that complete lack of an up- her body i mean where the i had the where the, there are no shoulders they're just flat things that go into these little you know spaghetti noodle arms and i've always found that unappealing and as i got older i, I would notice it in other people and i'd be like oh crap <laughs> that's me and that was disheartening and yeah. it was uh uh disgusting but i mean but but the main thing was as I go into the latter half of my life, I didn't want to again have good cardio or you know be fit. I wanted to be strong, mm. and the only thing that gets you strong is lifting heavy weights. Mm. And I mean, I'm, I don't know if I'm like a lot of people, but I spent a lot of time online listening to various experts talk about you know what you need to do in life you know uh, to to stay strong, and they all involved weight, but again, there was that pink man that was talking about Yeah, and most of that is BS. It's only when you lift heavyweight increasingly heavyweight. Mm -hmm. uh, And you do it at least, you know, three days a week. And you keep adding five pounds, you keep adding five pounds, like, okay, that makes, you know, some sense. But that seems a little excessive. But Mm. uh, uh, I just started but yeah, lifting, that was the only thing that was gonna make
0: me strong. On one hand, it seems simple and obvious. On the other hand, it does seem extreme and excessive. But you can't fuck with the argument. Rip's, Rip, no. Rip's arguments are bulletproof. I mean, I spent a good chunk of my life uh, pulling apart texts and trying to uh, find holes in arguments. That was uh, most of my childhood. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I, look, I looked at the Starting Strength book in a sim- similar context. I'm trying to find an error in his mm-hmm. thinking. And, yeah. and it's pretty damn bulletproof. And I've said this before, but that on its own is not enough to convince me because just because it sounds plausible doesn't mean it's true. Right. I'm the type that uh, I'm skeptical until I can verify it myself. Or if someone mm-hmm. I trust, you know, to the degree that I trust my brother or like a Nick Delgadillo tells me something, then that's a, that's a high degree of, of belief as well. Um, but luckily, unlike many things in life, This is something you can actually take and apply to yourself and prove it to yourself. So this is, this is science in the truest sense of the word. Ripito had a hypothesis. He developed a theory. He tested his theory in his lab in Wichita falls over the course of decades. Mm -hmm. He then communicated his, his theory to his peers and each of us are peer reviewing his theory and millions of people Mm -hmm. have peer reviewed the theory. And, uh, that's pretty fascinating. And so when, yeah. we, when we get into topics that are scientific in nature, but not necessarily related to strength training, I believe we have the, uh, the credibility and the, the rigor and the, the, the background to do so, just based on the fact that we are actually performing science here. Is it funded by the NIH? And is it double-blind placebo-controlled? Well, that doesn't even make sense, but no. Is it, is it published in the, the New England Journal of Medicine? Well, no. Does that make it any less real? Absolutely not, because as Ripito states, Mm-mm. it's the phenomenology, it's the phenomenology. An anecdote, mm-hmm. N equals one, is not data, but a series of anecdotes of N equals a million that all you know, indicate things like a guy in his 50s going from 175 pound to 230 pound body weight and developing a 440 pound squat, there's causation there. <laughs> so for, <laughs> yeah, for, for for a guy like me that is extremely skeptical and has a very high bar of uh of you know quantifying something in my brain as factually correct, this is one of the few things that is true. And I talked to Ina Koppel about this a lot. This is uh one of yeah. her favorite aspects of the program. There's so much bullshit in yeah. life. My God, especially yeah. in twenty twenty three. Yeah. So many narratives, so much nonsense, so much pressure, so much belief, um, and not to shit on belief and things that you can't prove, but for those of us that appreciate things that are quantifiable and repeatable, this is this is it.
1: Mm-hmm. And and when you get when you dig into it, like you've done, like you know a lot of folks in the Starting Strength world have done, you it's still mind-boggling to me the the amount of supporting investigation and and testing and results that are documented even in the book like the first the book that i bought was the barbell prescription and that book starts out uh one of the first chapters is the the sick aging phenotype talking about essentially the the pathology for probably most americans i think and working in the in the medical field i hear about it every day the sort of the specifics of of this stuff and how that informs this process and and uh, sort of compels this process and that's just one aspect the, the the sort of scientific approach to one particular aspect of um of human health and how other things affect it and don't affect it that's the other thing you know the 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 pains that that rip and others have taken to to dispel some of the horrible conventions that people hold on to related to health. Not not strength necessarily, but health in general. And it's all supporting material for this program mm-hmm. that is about making stronger, you know, harder to kill human beings. Yep. That's you gotta respect that.
0: You gotta respect that and you gotta be a little bit concerned that it took a power lifter from Texas to be the one to come up with this this uh, insight okay. or innovation, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I'm 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 ashamed of humanity for not having developed this simple, <laughs> straightforward stress recovery adaptation approach to human physiology mm-hmm. um, until Rippetoe decided to to write it down. And it existed, but it was tribal knowledge and it was super niche. I'm talking mm-hmm. about at scale. I'm talking about mm-hmm. you know why does your MD not understand this? This is probably the if not the most, one of the most fundamental yeah. aspects of health and so. your existence on Earth. And this guy's going to talk to you all day about lisinopril and, uh, and a statin, but he's not going to talk so. to you about linear progression. And um, I don't know if he ever will, especially since yeah. our medical system is so badly corrupted, but I'm glad that we have the insight and whether we have to, to take the uh, underground approach to find it and to attain it. Or the above board, um, you know, endorsed by the mainstream approach. It doesn't matter. What matters is what works. It is
1: and because it works. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I'm. I i do not understand why medicine, even one specific discipline of medicine, doesn't uh, isn't devoted to this in some way. Doesn't doesn't know this at all. Uh, I mean, I get from the barbell sports sort of uh, culture, uh, that a lot of folks would avoid this because it's hard. Um, and it, it takes a kind of curiosity that extends beyond making money on, you know, getting people to do your program or whatever. Um, but medicine, I, it's unforgivable. In fact, I mean, I, I don't know if exp- I've exp- I may have expressed to you, but I, I have contempt for all of uh, at least American medicine. I assume that it's representative of
0: world medicine because it's it's quackery it really and is. it's danger. Most of it is dangerous. A lot of it is. I don't know what the percentage uh, is, but a lot of it is certainly dangerous. And um, it killed it t- killed know. both my grandparents last month.
1: Oh man! Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Goodness.
0: They're ready to go. And that's yeah. another shame of our system is that it. Uh, you know, that it has, it has people on polypharmacy and, uh, um, yeah. just bleeding them of every one of their last dollars with doctors, right. and procedures and, and medications right. and doing things that no one actually knows what the, what the net effect is of. Um, and so these, you, you know, know, my grandparents were suffering so that the good news is their suffering's over and our system mm. doesn't have a, yeah. a, a way of allowing people to end their suffering. Um, whether whether it should or not is is a is a complicated discussion mm-hmm. but um sure. you know the fact I won't go into the details but but uh my grandfather his death was preventable based on actually both both of my grandparents their death was the root cause was prescription of a medication that they had a nasty side effect to oh um, man so um and you know That's I've so I've had to save my mother from probably four different situations where a doctor was about to make a, a a mistake with her health a not fully thought through mistake based on protocol. Um, and I see it all the time. I now get to see how the sausage is made with, uh, being an EMT. And Mm -hmm. I had James Johnson on the podcast, the Salt Lake city guy, Mm -hmm. and the franchise owner from Salt Lake city. And he, um, you know, he's been in the healthcare field for a while. And he has had several of these uh, assisted living facilities. And I think his perspective yeah. on it is, is correct. He's a, he's a positive guy. He's a religious guy. He's, he's got a good, yeah. good point of view. Th- there's so many wonderful people trying to do great things in the field. And that should not be discounted. But the fact of the matter is the bureaucracy has taken over. There's no accountability. Mm, yeah. There's no skin in the game. The incentives so- are shit and the way decisions may, are made are for political purposes and not for yes. health outcomes. And that is, that yes. is the, the actual state of affairs. Whether you recognize it or not, that is the actual state of affairs. I don't say all this just to shit it on didn't the didn't start state, out that way. But, no, it didn't start out that way. And, 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 but, but, I, but I do right. say this because I wanna reinforce a point that I think is really important. When it comes to your own health, it's your responsibility. When I was growing up, and I think this is why my grandparents are dead, um, is because I was taught that um, you can have faith in the system. Doctor knows best. And um, I think what's happened here, if I had to speculate, is that the profiteers who only care about cash regardless of negative consequences to others, which is the definition of evil in my opinion, have found that there's no better way to sell something than via the priest, via the the person that someone goes to with full Mm -hmm. trust and belief, which is what medical professionals Mm -hmm. became over the last several decades. And um, that trust has been, it's been weaponized. Much much in the way that, that empathy is weaponized in politics Right, mm-hmm. like you can be some some twenty year old Berkeley student and like, yeah, Black Lives Matter. Well, no shit, Black Lives Matter. I don't, you don't, you don't understand mm-hmm. what you're saying, though. You're supporting a Marxist right. organization, but they're weaponizing that person's mm-hmm. compassion. And this is, uh, yep. I, won't, I won't go off too far on a tangent here, but this is uh, this is why we can't be trusted um, as a collective because we're we make emotional decisions yeah. and we are too easy to manipulate. But but the the whole point of that rant is, I just want to encourage everyone who's listening or watching to please take control of your own healthcare. You treat medical professionals and any service provider in your life as a consultant. You don't have blind faith in people just because they have a credential. Um, and if you, if you do fall victim to that, there are consequences. So just, I'd like to caution yeah. everyone against that.
1: Yeah, and that's, what, and part of what I think the sort of medicinal approach to, well, it's medicine, is to essentially lock you in. It's the same as the the pusher on the street. It's to get you in so they can get the hooks in so that you are your next, the next solution to your next problem is going to be another one. Yep. And you're going to need a combination. And this combination is bad. So we're going to put you on that combination. And it, and, and it doesn't become looking at your life holistically. It becomes, well, okay, well, what, uh, what drug will work? How about no drugs? Yeah. yeah. I don't How take about any, we find a solution with drugs? I take drugs? no drugs. Yeah, yeah. And I hope that that lasts, but yeah.
0: And if anyone is calling bullshit on my claims here, I'll just give you a couple of examples, okay? If, if anyone can find a medically sound, scientifically backed reason to treat a late-stage COVID patient with remdesivir, which was a standard CDC-approved protocol, even yeah. after the studies indicated how dangerous it was, if anyone can tell me right. why, wh- how that makes sense, I will send you a hundred dollars and I'll invite you on the podcast for a conversation. And and I could I could I could name twenty examples just like that to to just yeah. completely demonstrate the degree of medical corruption. But before I get all pissed so, off sorry. and ruin my day, Andy, let's go back to fun stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so, this was a dark
1: sequence in the
0: chat. Here. <laughs> um, we, we were talking about the numerical nature of this program and uh, mm-hmm. the scientific aspect to it and real science, not scientism, where it's, you know, belief in people that perform science and mm-hmm. therefore you're just part of mm-hmm. a new religion. Um, within that, Andy, we have developed a digital logbook that we have since shown to you and you've become aware of and you are now involved with mm. and working on. Um, tell me in, in your words, the significance of this yeah. data firstly, and then also I'd like to hear yeah. a summary of uh, of what you've done to the logbook, the, the little changes we're working on to kind of make it more engaging and, and a little more rewarding. Mm.
1: It's interesting because maybe there is such a thing, but I, I have to wonder if there's any other kind of application out there that is gathering this scope of information, this daily scope of information that is directly tied to a prescription of, uh, you know, a, a training program essentially, um, that is documenting the results. And so, I mean, I have to, uh, I don't have any insight into this. I have to believe that that's, that's really powerful to examine because this uh, that's what I understand starting Strength continually does is re-examines, you know, the techniques and claims and, and whatever else you know is it still working did it ever work you know whatever uh to to adapt it to change it and, and there has been change uh introduced in starting strength i think from the beginning um as things evolve as knowledge evolves and so i have to think that that's a really powerful um tool and i'm excited i don't like i said i don't have great insight into it but I, i'm excited about What's going to be done with that uh but there are some things that uh that you know you and i have worked on and that is essentially giving a lot of the the students insight into what they've accomplished um one of the things that we've been working on is is giving some kudos when you uh, reach a certain milestone whether that's a plate milestone or a pr or, or whatever uh, so that's about your workout, you know. Uh, when, when you know when the individual is has been on the program for X months or X years or whatever. So, uh, and then looking back at how those milestones occur, when they occurred, and you know at, at what tempo or whatever. Um, but of course, the, the, again, the interesting thing about that from the students from the you know the trainees' uh, perspective is, you know, you made that happen, and if you started missing workouts or whatever. It slowed down. Hmm. There's no way to cheat the system, hmm. uh, and so that's clear insight into that as well. I mean, you you, you kind of see that every day if you're still, if you still only have one plate and you know, uh, and then some little ones on there doing this one movement, and it's been six months. That's probably on you. Yep. <laughs> it's it's on you about that. So uh, you can you can forge your own PRs, but um. Uh, one funny. I saw you I don't know if you saw I kind of chuckled when you started mentioning this app uh, I didn't get in trouble but it was I was startled when my coach uh, hit me up and he said so you um, you pulled 440 yesterday I was like what and I was putting dummy data into the app so that I could get <laughs> you know, screenshots and so I could learn how to use the app. And I left it, and he sent me a photograph of from the gym uh,
0: on the standings, and I was at the top. <laughs> it, uh, oh yeah, because you're, like, you're technically a member of Starting Strength, Katie, aren't you? Uh, uh, Plano. Oh, is it Plano? Okay, yeah, my bad. I thought yeah, you were Plano. in the scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you you and I have talked about Katie, so. Uh, oh, okay. anyway, okay, that's what it was. So, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And so, I had to remove that. Now that you know your PRs are going to show up on the screen in the gym, maybe you should enter your workouts in there, anyway, huh? You know, I was thinking of that. I just, <laughs> I didn't know if that
1: was cheating or whatever, or, you know, uh, uh, t- taking uh,
0: gym privilege, whatever. But uh, <laughs> if you're paying them but, for uh, membership, you get access to the logbook and you get yeah. to use it if you want to. So, yeah. yeah. No, but another,
1: I think, nice thing that I think we've talked about is, uh, Uh, being able to sort of see where you sit for Mm -hmm. people who are your age, your sex. um, Where do you fit in the world of, uh, of, you know, PRs or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, or the 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 rate at which you you got to this particular milestone? Um, Again, that's, that's interesting stuff. And I think anything that helps fuel the enthusiasm of, of the folks who are doing this is is a good thing. And, you know, maybe that's that's part of it, but the fact that you're able to do that is fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah, and just so everyone's aware of the context here, basically what this means is we have a custom application that we built for starting strength gyms. And it's a web app, you don't have to remember your iTunes password to download an app and take up storage on your phone, just go to a bookmark that you shortcut on your iPhone or your Android. Brings you to a digital logbook that was uh, designed initially by Keith Barney, the guy that did the intro music to this podcast if you're watching it on YouTube. Um, Really talented designer. And uh, he just made this really simple digital logbook interface where you track all your workouts. And then a bunch of stuff happens once you do that. So first of all, it's stored in a database. So we can see how much progress people make over time on average, median, min, max. We can slice and dice it any way we'd like to. And then in addition to that, it shoots your information up on the screen. So there's two screens in the gym when you walk in. One is the schedule. And so the it shows everybody who's joining the next session and what they will be lifting that day. So you walk in, your name's on the board and your lifts are on the board. You go over to your rack, you write down your lifts and your warmups and then you're good to go. And then on the other screen, it, lifts, it lists all of the PRs for the gym and then the screen rotates and it lists all of the PRs in order for the whole franchise. The dashboard will show that to, it won't just show the top eight or whatever it is we show. You'll you'll be able to go from one to to end. You'll be able to see every single person stack right in the gym. You'll be able to filter by how often they train, how long they've been training, filter by gym, filter by sex, filter by lift. Um, You'll be able to uh, compare gyms to each other. You'll be able to compare progress over time. And then the last thing that we have planned for this data at the moment, well, it's not the last thing. We're we're also doing a study with the University of Chicago. Uh, There's a guy in Texas who's at a satellite branch of the university who got some grant funds that he wants to use to play with this data and and see how strength affects health outcomes and a bunch of other stuff. You can argue with me all you want, um, but if I show you case study video after case study video, of anecdotal qualitative results with a quantitative flair. You can't argue much with that. If I can layer on top a data set of thousands of people that have done this program and the uh, indisputable results they've achieved based on the weight on the bar, I I try to fuck with that. I'm
1: I'm trying to think of all the other uh, programs or, you know, uh, internet stars that are going to jump right on that and be able to offer the same
0: kind of info to
1: folks. It's, it's not going to happen. <laughs>
0: well, and I, I really, I've, I say this a lot, but I really am waiting for a competitor. The sooner you guys can come, the better, the sooner you can come, the better. Yeah. We just got hit Heck up yeah. by a, um, a company whose job it is to take promising young franchisors and Layer on their capability and to grow them and sell them to private equity for a hundred million dollars. This is their this is their thing, and uh, the the guy from that company got in touch with me. They're out of Chicago, and we had a conversation. and He he was ready to go and he's interested. But I told him that I wasn't taking the call because I'm open to that idea. I was taking the yeah. call to see if he thought our idea was as wonderful as I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he does. And and I also told him I'm willing to help him out because I've got a buddy that runs a, a franchise company that uh yeah. that is looking for an exit. Uh-huh. We are not looking for an exit. That is not our goal. Okay. Um, but that's what I
1: figured you were gonna say. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And but I cannot wait. I cannot wait for someone to come out with uh, mainstream strength, you know, whatever whatever the name ends up being. Um, it's probably not going to be as pure as our offering, but I I hope, I hope someone does just barbells and squat racks and I hope they have a lot of money behind them because they are going to, um, undercut us on price and they are going to pay their coaches less and they're still going to make a lot of people better. They're still going to have a a net positive impact, but the most important thing they're going to do is they're going to bring a whole bunch of attention to this category. And then when people um, yep. let's say you've never heard of, uh, of Porsche and you're just getting into cars and, yeah. um, and you see a Chrysler, you're like, Oh, that kind of cool looking. And you're like, Oh, looking at it, uh, the engineering shit. Um, Oh, the maintenance is terrible. Um, the safety is awful. I don't want anything to do with this. What else is out there? Oh shit. There's Porsche. Um, so we're, we're always going <laughs> to be premium. We're always going to be the better experience. We're always going to yep. be the, yeah. uh, high quality people, the engineering rigor. And, um, the sooner we get a competitor, the better, because we're not going to go downstream ourselves. Someone else is going to have to do it. And it's just going to help a lot of people Mm -hmm. get stronger and maybe in not as good of a way as what we do, but bring a whole lot of attention to the category and help us grow.
1: Absolutely. And I think that, you know, competition is awesome. And, you know, I, I've met, you know, a lot of the folks on your team. And if you think you're, being creative right now cuz I mean you guys are a creative uppity bunch but if you think you're that creative and uppity right now wait till you have a real competitor yeah it's just that's fantastic
0: yep what what's your impression of the team so far feel free to say anything positive or negative cuz i always talk talk uh, i say nothing but great <laughs> things about our group i might be slightly biased and and have the rose tinted glasses on but i've I've said this before yeah. this team is the best team I've ever worked with in my entire career, including the time when I literally had an unlimited budget and I could import anyone from anywhere in the world to come work with us. Mm. this team out executes those people hands down yeah. and I hand selected okay. these people too it's just and the difference by the way is yeah. uh first principles thinking the ability to do an analysis and passion yeah. and buy-in These are not mercenaries that I'm that are hired guns to get a right. job done these are people that would literally do this for free if they could you know our our cfo well, is not making what he could make with a bigger client he's making the amount of money yeah. he thinks we can afford based on our current stage and he's happy to help and spend his time making less money because he thinks what we're doing is so important mm-hmm. thank you austin by mm-hmm. the way for listening <laughs> yeah no i i
1: that's the impression i get and and i think for good reason i mean uh, this isn't from from what I've gathered you know, from the few touches that I've had, this is an energetic, passionate bunch of people who, well, I'm making some assumptions here, but but I, but I have some insight and I believe that you guys are kind of flying by the seat of your pants and you're having to make consequential decisions every week about that, that are gonna you know, have, you know, a lot of impact on what you're trying to do and but everyone kind of has the right idea about what you're trying, the, the same idea, the right idea as far as I can tell about what you're trying to do. And that kind of energy is just, it's infectious. And I think one of the reasons that that you dig this team over when you were said you had unlimited budget and unlimited whatever, constraint is the key to excellence.
0: <laughs> when there are no constraints,
1: anything is possible and therefore absolutely nothing of consequence can get done. Mm-hmm. Constraint is how you get great shit done. Mm. Is and in fact, the more constraint, the better.
0: And well, so you guys are under all
1: kinds of constraints.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <shit>. yeah.
1: <laughs> so embrace that, love that, yeah. and and make that you know uh, you know uh, that's a love letter to your results.
0: Any idea if you had to guess what it cost to build this company, what the outlay was? Oh goodness.
1: Oh, I don't know that I, I can't, I can't have a good concept of that. Uh,
0: I, I, uh, I, th- I would just
1: be spouting nonsense. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, i mentioned this to Nick the other day and I, I truly believe I worked for, for BlackBerry. Right. And that, that company will be yeah. a discussion, a case study discussion in business schools until the end of time because of uh, the rapid growth and the rapid decline, the silly CEO structure. They have two CEOs on yeah. of shit. Um, yeah. We somehow managed to build this company for $500,000. $500,000. That's ridiculous. It's not actually a a fair indication because that includes the person running it working for free for probably four years. Um, But we are a hodgepodge team of Mm. part-timers that put in as much effort as we can to get as much work as possible done as quickly as possible yeah. to the highest degree of quality, and it's an interesting point that you said about constraints because those constraints, although they took years off my life, did uh, help us produce some pretty phenomenal work. Um, yeah, man, I wish we had more money along the way because we uh, had to make difficult oh, decisions I- <laughs> um, and and you know furlough people in some mm-hmm. situations. Uh, COVID was 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 frightening in a number of ways, not not because of the virus, because of mm-hmm. the government's response. Um, but yeah, man, here we are, here we are. We got it done. And, uh, you know, we are flying by the seat of our pants in the sense that we don't necessarily know what the tactics are, but we know what our objective is. We know what the strategy is. And as far as figuring out how to get the strategy accomplished to achieve the objective, that's where the, the fun energetic part comes in. And we've got, Just on this marketing team that you're a part of now, you know we essentially built an internal agency because we couldn't hire anyone that was worth a shit, Um, nor could any marketing agency truly do this thing justice better than we can. So we just kind of hired an internal agency, and here we are. And you know we're on that weekly call that you've been a part of a couple of times, and uh, we're talking about telling great stories and spreading the message Mm -hmm. to our different offline and online channels. And Mm -hmm. um, it's a but everybody who's involved is up to here in in what is great about this. Yeah. And that makes fantastic difference. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, It's been good fun. I really like my job. I, 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 when I was trying to do stuff like this and also running the company, I, I actually despised my job and I was pretty thoroughly burnt out and I was operating just purely on, uh, on a desire to not fail, but it was not fun. I, I, very Mm -hmm. unsatisfying work, just constantly dealing with problems and uh, big programs I've wanted to roll out. I just, there just wasn't enough time or resources to get it done. So the fact that Luke runs the mm-hmm. show now and I can focus mm-hmm. on bringing new products and services to market and communicating mm-hmm. our message more effectively, um, I think is is great for everybody, but especially my sanity. Um, that's
1: awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that that is one, I think, uh, I don't know if it's an American dream, but one dream that I think a lot of folks has is to invent their own job, yep. the thing that they love and you've done it and you're doing it. And obviously other folks who are with you are, doing that as well so and i'm enjoying the heck out of you know the what i get to do with you so
0: hand selecting it's a team and hand selecting what the team works on and hand selecting a boss in my case because i do treat luke like he's my boss he's my client yeah. i'm his vendor um, and hand yeah, selecting yeah. your business partners and then deciding how your day flows and deciding what's important deciding what you work on that's uh that's freedom i don't make Nearly, I I make as much money now as I made when I was 21 years old, not adjusted for inflation. So this is not the thing, this is not the BlackBerry job where I was making 40 grand a month, but I'm more free than I was when I was making half a million dollars a year, which is interesting. Um, And if we are not greedy and we're patient, the money will come and no one really is motivated by wanting a private plane at this company we're motivated by right. doing things that we're proud of and yeah it would be mm-hmm. nice to be able to live a good lifestyle not have to have too many worries about cash as a result of the value that we provide which uh, i believe if we're mm-hmm. patient will come in three five plus years right
1: that, that takes tremendous courage i mean ridiculous courage especially when you're you're starting a family um to to decide that you're gonna number one give that whole you know, what you just described, give that whole thing a go. And then to make those decisions, you, you were talking about deciding, you know, what you're going to work on, what you're going to put out, who you're going to hire, who you're, you, you hired your own boss. That takes, you know, again, tremendous courage and and to keep it going and to delay the full satisfaction. Obviously, I think you and everyone involved is is deriving a great deal of satisfaction from this, but, but to, to have, an understanding that you're growing your own garden and there is going to be a harvest. Yep. Um, that's and the, that's fantastic, and, and anyone would want to do that.
0: Yeah, and one of the one of the really interesting things about this is that our job, the purpose of this business, is to enable other people to do the same. So we get to take a guy um, who's been in corporate yeah. land and is just just you know having daydreams about a noose because um, he can't take the the DEI social justice uh training he just had to go through for the third time and the tps reports his boss just came around and talked to him about in his cubicle and uh you know the the changing work from home policies and covid policies and working without a mission or a purpose just working to to earn a buck and you get to take someone like this and uh and help them take a massive bet, because in some cases these franchise owners are, are really betting the house, um, like literally putting their house on the line to, to open these mm-hmm. gyms. Yeah. And then um, guide them through the process in as low of a risk way as possible. By no means am I suggesting it's low risk. Entrepreneurship is high risk. But franchising, if you um, get with the right franchise company, the whole purpose is to reduce the risk because the the mm-hmm. hypotheses have already been proven. That's the idea. So. The fact that we get to enable other people to live better lives, not just because mm-hmm. of, of what we offer our service, but because uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they can become their own boss, they can hire their own team, they can define their own work schedule, um, and they can they can mm-hmm. fail or succeed based on their own level of commitment and output, that's extraordinarily satisfying, too. And then the people in our gyms sure. are a lot of people that are of that archetype already. That, uh that have put in hard work their whole lives and that's why they can afford our expensive membership it's not cheap to train at one of our gyms as you know um right. so then and then what you get at the end of that is just a group of people an extended group of people that is really like an extended family with the common values, purpose, and mm-hmm. uh, and common results that we all understand and appreciate and applaud each other for. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's a really special thing that we have here. And, and uh, some people call us a cult, yeah. and uh, that's fine. You know, you can it's use a it community on a derogatory term you like, what, but we're having a good time. So well, what, here. <laughs> what you described there is a community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Andy, I wanted to ask you. We're going longer. Damn, I, there's so much more I wanted to talk to you about. And we got we got carried away, but I'm I'm glad we did because I enjoyed the topics we covered. But yeah, what, me too. Why don't Why don't we end on one last topic? Tell me, tell me when you decided to get an SSC, and um, what you did from there and what it was like.
1: Oh, yeah. So um, as as I described, I was making good progress. Uh, you know, lifts are going up. I'm um, putting on body weight. Um, and I'm liking, um, the results I like, I'm putting on body weight, but I'm not getting fat. You know, I'm like starting to, the whole body composition is just changing, uh, and everything's going good, but I ran out my, um, my linear, uh, novice progression and I didn't quite know what to do. And so, you know, referring back to the barbell prescription, I'm looking at programming or whatever, and I'm trying to do this on my own because uh, I'm, you know, I'm working out here at my own, in my garage. Um, and settled on the Texas method, uh, even though folks, a lot of folks said, even in the book says, you know, this is really hard for, you know, someone who's in their fifties or sixties or whatever. And, but I just, I took it up and started doing that and was continued to make progress. And then the intensity started making recovery a bit of a problem. So I started modifying the number of sets or yeah, the number of sets and I eliminated a squat day and, and whatever. And so pretty soon I was doing, you know, Mick, you know, Joe's ridiculous made up workout.
0: <laughs> and, and, and it was experimental. Me, I have no you, idea. Yeah. Cause you didn't have the, the basis of knowledge to understand whether or not that would be effective. Right.
1: Right. Cause, I mean, I'm I'm doing what I thought was, you know, the smart thing to do. I'm paying attention to the videos and I'm reading, you know, the books and I'm reading the articles and I'm getting good nuggets out of that. But it's still not allowing me to know with any sort of, a, you know, authority that when I make this change, this is what I can expect. I had no idea. And so I got to the point where, you know, this is serious. This is an important part of my life. I don't want to mess this up. But I sure don't. At my age, I don't want to start, you know, injuring myself. I need a pro to help me with this. And so, uh, I, because of how my life is structured, go- going to a gym three days a week is gonna was gonna be really tough for me. Um, I'm busy. I got a lot of things going on. And but I have this time in the early wee hours of the morning where I can do anything, and I chose to lift three days a week. Hmm. Um, and so the online coaching seemed like a really good thing to try. And so I, you know, I, when I made the leap and got in touch, what was it Rebecca, maybe Skinner um, yeah. had a conversation? Yeah, Rebecca Skinner had a conversation, which was awesome. Uh, and again, I like how you did that, like, you know, what are your goals? What are your fears? What are you know, uh, what are you trying to do? Um, you're, you're asking the right questions, just like in, in, in form. Yeah on an online form. And then there was the, the actual conversation, which got a lot more detailed. Um, and in fact, when I sent in my form, I said, i had been watching your podcast and I said, you know, uh, I, I think I would like to have Ray Gillenwater be my coach. Oh, that in was, fact, I might insist on that. I remember this. Yeah. 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 Oh, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Rebecca. <laughs> and, him, yeah. The reason, <laughs> yeah. So, and the reason for that was because, uh, I, you had mentioned that you had some shoulder problems or whatever, and yeah. you had worked, you'd find your ways to work through that or whatever. It's like, yeah, he gets me because I, I had, uh, I I destroyed my right rotator cuff um, and I'm not going to have surgery on it. And so I'm, you know, I'm having to fuel my way through that. I thought you would be the best guy for that. Anyway, and she said, you know, Ray's not taking on any clients, uh, but, you know, we're going to find you somebody, you know, that is going to be great. And I was like, yeah, sure, fine. Because again, being an SSC, as I've come to learn, again, consuming as much content as I can, that's a consequential thing. Mm. There is a lot that goes into it, and every one of you guys and girls are fantastic at what you do. Mm. And you're continually training, you're continually research, uh, um, learning, exploring, you know, what it is you need to learn, because you guys work with, a, you know, everybody from, I think I've heard kids as young as 10. And people you know beyond 90 97 98. And, uh, yeah. every one of those yeah and so every one of those age groups has own little picadillos that you know you kind of got to bring to it you got to know you the authoritative uh, to that so again I I was fine with it I got a fantastic coach I'm glad that you brought this up because I wanted to mention my coach Michael Jones mm. um he was on the podcast and uh, link
0: to that episode
1: oh that's right yeah. yeah I saw that so uh so that has been a great relationship and a great process and of course because i wasn't you know technically perfect on everything we kind of had to circle back and and rebuild a foundation there and that has been fun um and and frustrating but you know in the way that's like dang it is the squat still not right? Whatever it is, It's it's Uh, impossible. No such thing. uh, Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, but, uh, you know, everything's getting dialed in and, uh, you know, the weight is going back up. Everything's going in the right direction. And when I, and I've, I've come across uh, some little back tweaks and whatever. um, And, you know, plowed right through that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Michael being there to remind me, okay, yeah, I, I know you hurt, but you're not, injured mm-hmm. let's put the weight on the bar and let's get it okay and it works
0: good job michael. so hell yeah um <laughs> i'm I'm glad you shared that story michael i'm a big fan of that guy i didn't know him well at all then i had that conversation with him like holy shit you are mm-hmm. you are such a perfect fit for this job and um yeah he's awesome to, to end the podcast and to end end the thought that i was sharing earlier about just kind of the big picture and the people and the incentives and trying what we're trying to build here the the coach part of it is is actually the most important part um, because the coaches are the ones delivering the service you know some businesses argue that their customers the members right. are the most important part it's actually not it's it's the people that are interfacing with those people mm-hmm. um, or you could argue that they are but the only way that you make them as happy and fulfilled as you want them to be is via the yeah. interface which are the people that that your business or businesses employ And so prior Mm -hmm. to the franchise company, there was not a gym that an SSC could go to where they had a job opportunity. There was no job for an SSC at a gym. Mm -hmm. So what does that Mm -hmm. mean for people that want to just do starting strength and don't want to do sales and don't want to work at 24 hour fitness and and don't want to have to argue to try to get people yeah. to do it their way. And, and instead of trying to convince people that starting strength is the answer, um, people are coming to them wanting starting strength so they can just hone their craft. They can just do the thing that they know is the mm-hmm. most effective and they can just right. focus their productive time on doing that. I mean, that's like, you know, you come from the design world, you dealt with engineers and things. Imagine if, if, uh, if there was a particular domain of design, let's call it UX design. Um, and there were no UX design. Yeah, there were, there were no. And by the way, thanks for the compliments about your experience with us from a UX designer. That that, uh, that means a lot. Um, <laughs> but, but But imagine if there were no, if you were a UX designer, that's all you wanted to do. And there were no jobs for UX design. And so if you wanted to be a UX designer, you had to start your own consultancy. Or you had to wedge yourself yep. into some other product or design job. And then try to do as much UX design as you possibly could. That was the state of affairs mm-hmm. for people that wanted to coach starting strength for a living, before the franchise company. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't even know how many jobs you've created and how many people we've helped in that sense. But every time I talk to a coach on the podcast, I feel uh, a <coughs> tremendous sense of um, I, I, it, sounds, it sounds like an odd word, but almost like peace. Like, um, like it's, it's, it's well, very yeah. it's very settling and satisfying to know that that we've uh, we've helped people pursue what they want to do for a living. I could talk to you all day, and I love talking to you, by the way. So thanks for coming on the show. Every time we have a conversation, I'm right energized back at you. And, and fired up. So thank you, man. And um, yeah, if you, you if you leave this episode thinking, damn, there's a bunch of other stuff I wanted to mention, then uh, let's schedule another one because I enjoyed this very much.
1: <laughs> well, then let's do it, sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I think there's five or six topics that we could just, you know, wax we'll poetic on. So, yeah.
0: Indeed. And uh, for those of you that are gun fans, Andy, you should look up Andy. He's got... He's a he's a gun aficionado and likes his shooting. So um, yeah, Andy, we'll leave it there, man. Thanks again for your time, and make sure you send Bree some footage from your home garage and uh, home garage gym and and putting up PRs and any design <laughs> or copy related stuff you're doing for us that you want to highlight. Yeah, we'll do. All right, thanks, man. Thanks, man.
1: Yeah, it's been great.